Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. And again, you're listening to Community Matters. The month of December is always very busy in the liturgical world, and St. Luke's Episcopal Church has a variety of events, many musical in nature, set. It is a month of December, and that means a lot of things here in Jamestown, one of those being celebration of music and celebration of the season. And there is a lot of that happening at St. Luke's Episcopal Church, and I'm so glad to welcome uh, Father Luke Fodor here and St. Luke's Minister of Music, Laura Masanke, to the studios today. Hello to you both. Hello. Thank you. So, my goodness, we were talking. I'm just, it's amazing to see how much you have going on at St. Luke's Episcopal Church. There's always something happening at St. Luke's, but mm-hmm. just in the month of December alone, a lot of music, mm-hmm. but there's also other things happening besides music, you know, in terms of community gathering. And one of those being something I, it came back again this year is you have this um, Empty Bowls event happening on this Saturday. Indeed, from 11 to 2 o'clock in the Undercroft, entering along 4th Street. We have, again, our, our partnership with the um, Chautauqua area potters who have created this Empty Bowl project many, many years up in Fredonia and the North County. Um, and brought it to Jamestown last year. And so this is the second annual Empty Bowls here in Jamestown. And it's a great way to be very efficient in this very busy uh, December season where you can go shopping for a gift to give away. And I say shopping, but it's not a purchased sort of thing as a donation. You make a donation and you walk away with a handcrafted bowl that you can give away to a loved one. Um, and then Meanwhile, you can also get free lunch while you're there. We've got soups provided by many um, various and sundry places, uh, including the Asheville General Store and Labyrinth Press Company, um, as well as some own parishioners who, who've done some, some cooking as well. Uh, and then finally, by, by making that donation, you also help those who are in need uh, for hunger-related causes. The, the proceeds go to help Western New York uh, feed more, um, as well as our own Jamestown Mobile Market, um, which takes food during the growing season to the food deserts in our community uh, and helps folks get access to fresh local produce they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. One of the things I remember that was so unique about this event is that these bowls, they're made locally mm-hmm. and by many different artists. So you anticipate, do you know how many bowls you're going to have at this event? Yeah, last year there was hundreds. I know we have this 400, 500 or so, but I think if you want the best selection, get there early, of course. Um, we've, we've decided how to... Um, uh, arrayed the bowls differently this year so there's more space to spread them out so people can look at it. So we're going to kind of flip our dining section with our, our, our shopping section, as it were. Uh-huh. With the event with last year, do you do you have an idea of how much you raised last year? Certainly we do. We raised uh, over $10,000. I think it was approaching 12000 It was a pretty, pretty amazing um, 
community involvement. People just showed up and and really bought a lot of bowls. That's astounding. Mm-hmm. I mean, just this is one event yeah. and a short time period, and how much good it can do in the community. Exactly, exactly. So what what time again is this event? So it's on Saturday the 9th from eleven to two. So you people can come. They can fill their bowl, take yeah. home a bowl essentially fill their souls, but continue because in the evening there is another event happening and I'm going to turn to Deloren for details on this. So I'll be singing with Chattacoin Chamber Ensemble and we're doing a Christmas Baroque um, concert. So I'll be singing to Air uh, Sérieux, which were specifically from the 17th century French pieces and then um, excerpts from Handel's Gloria. Oh my goodness! So, is it when you say the extra? So that will be will that be the entire program? Will it be this, or will they be playing anything other than that? There'll be other uh, programmatic pieces, but um, that's just that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, is singing those pieces, and um, I've had the privilege of singing the Handel's Gloria um, in different parts in Germany, and so it's nice to kind of rekindle that and bring it back into where I am now in my life. <laughs> so, well, Lauren, this is the first time I'm getting to meet you. And mm-hmm. so you've you recently started as a minister of music at St. Luke's. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, <laughs> I am a singer and an organist. I just finished my uh, master's degree from Notre Dame in sacred music in voice, but I did also a lot of work in harpsichord and organ. Um, I've been playing and singing my whole life. My mother was a piano teacher, and the the funny anecdote that we always tell people is that when I was I studied with her for a week, and then I fired her when I was seven years old. So, and moved on to another teacher. But it's always a fun little mm-hmm. little thing. But um, I'm very passionate about really embodied, grounded music work for the soul and really like the psyche. Uh, We live in a multi-sensory world right now, and so to enhance what what we're doing in worship and with other people, your body as your own instrument, and then other instruments that help resonate with your body are almost essential now to commune with something bigger than yourself. I, I totally agree. I mean, I've been taking vocal lessons with Lauren, um, and it, there's a part where clergy have to chant, and um, it makes me very anxious because I'm not really much of a singer, um, but I, I love it, and um, and I always get nervous when it comes time to, to sing. Um, and then working with Lauren has made me much more confident, and in fact, it's one of those things where it's like, like I'm super busy, but it's I always walk away from uh, our lesson mm-hmm. feeling not just better about um, my singing, but just better, like mentally better, physically better. There's been this kind of attunement that happens uh, in my own body. So I think what you say is like, I, I literally resonate with mm-hmm. what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And when you took one of the words I was thinking about that when it comes to singing, that when I mean, your body is the instrument and you can, you feel that resonance, it's something you really feel. And I think about, you know, dealing with you know well i'm on social media i spend way too much time on that i don't spend a lot of time with people but when you are out at church or you're with a group and you're singing the way that affects you internally Mm -hmm. and then how knowing that and it's just that connection that you also can feel with those singing next to you too is that you where you're blending voices and harmonies Mm -hmm. if if that's someone has that capability i'm not that great at it myself (laughs) but you know and how 
it's just such a neat thing to do. And looking at what you have scheduled for this month, there's going to be opportunities for people to enjoy that kind of experience. Uh, in fact, aside from the event, uh, let's, uh, before we get away from the Chattaquin mm-hmm. Chamber event, what time is that happening on Saturday? Seven o'clock. Seven, Seven o'clock. Yeah. And is, uh, is this, I, I've been to other Chattaquin Chamber events in the past. Is this a free will donation? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, wonderful. But we're talking about singing and there is going to be an event where people can get out, see other people sing, and maybe enjoy a refreshment too. Mm-hmm. So um, on the 19th at 6.30, we're doing a pub crawl, carol, sing together. Everyone's welcome to join. Um, I think it's caroling is a really great opportunity, especially in bars versus in people's homes. <laughs> it's not really appropriate anymore, but um, when you're in bars with people and you're singing, together it gives that idea of community but it's also not exclusionary to other traditions of faith or spirituality um it's a nice way to bring in i guess like memories that we Mm. um establish with different songs and um how we're connected as humans together um and so even like you know the idea of spirituality coming from breath when we're working on breath together, when we're doing these things, breathing together, we're grounding ourselves, and it, it's a very fast way to create a community. One of the things that I've been mm-hmm. really thinking about lately is church music, um, community singing, it's not about accuracy, it's about participation. Mm. It's about creating something with another person in a way that is low stakes. There's no judgment, it's just come as you are, and you're welcome to sing with us. Mm-hmm. We'll provide the song sheets. We're going to gather at the pub at 6.30, and then we'll go from the pub um, to some various watering holes, including um, Brazil, Beer Snob, um, and the Cherry Lounge. Uh-huh. And I've, I've participated in this mm-hmm. this pub crawl, carol crawl before. And yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing. It's like we, we sing, we were kids, we sung carol sometimes in school, we sung them in church. And we get older and it's like you lose those opportunities mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really performing in concerts like you did like the, the, the winter concert, you know, in mm-hmm. school. The, adults miss that opportunity. And so this is sort yeah. of, I call this like the, the adult you know, winter concert, but it's very casual and <laughs> and, and a lot more yeah. fun. And like, I've been some years, it's been very, very cold. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, you get into whatever the next next bar is, next establishment, and it's like, oh, good, it's warm in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stomping off the snow and just trying to warm up the vocal cords. And mm-hmm. sometimes the people join you in that mm-hmm. who yeah. are sitting there, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, you know, I think this is the, these things that, you almost think, well, we almost lost this, but here we have this event still. Yeah. And um, when you're talking about breath, and I think you know, there's even Buddhists talk about you know the breath mm-hmm. a lot, and and, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and how you know it can ground you and things, and then how that carries over and within faith and in different practices or mindfulness practices too. Mm-hmm. And then your whole like to come as you are. I and maybe this is a little outside my my uh, square. Maybe if I don't stay in my lane here at all. <laughs> but uh, it's like when they say that you know, a lot of people talk about that God welcomes you as mm-hmm. you are, mm-hmm. and and that really this is kind of like you know a real embodiment of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So very cool. So that is happening on Tuesday, December 19th, but we are not quite done. There is another event and you know, we were talking about mental health and things like that. There's a, a service that you've offered at St. Luke's, um, the Blue Christmas service I, that I've appreciated in the past and you are going to be doing that once again on December 23rd. That's correct, at, at five o'clock. Um, it's an opportunity kind of on the one of the darkest times of the year, literally, when we have the least amount of daylight hours, uh, the winter solstice, to really gather and find the light inside to realize that um, despite whatever blue feelings we may have, um, that really God is present with us. And sometimes it's in the midst of those um, dark nights of the soul that we best find ourselves and a way forward. So we, we kind of celebrate those feelings. Sometimes it's really hard to make it through the holidays because it's stressful and there's all kinds of emotional expectations without kind of the 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 opposite expectation kind of the lethargy and and all those things bubbling up and we want to honor that and not try and suppress it and create that kind of toxic positivity that yeah. we sometimes have in this culture but to allow people just to to grieve um in community we dim the lights down we light candles we say prayers uh and we we sing together of course um songs of great expectation and um songs of release as well so that's at five o'clock uh, on the 23rd wonderful then, of course, we come to Christmas Eve the next day, and you have expanded your Christmas Eve service. And I'm looking at Lauren again because mm -hmm. you, uh, tell us more about what you will be doing at that service. So last year, I had the privilege of singing with the community choir at Notre Dame for Christmas Eve. It was just kind of a, my organ teacher is one of the organists there, and some stuff fell through. And the way that they structure their Christmas Eve service is they do a Christmas lessons and carols as kind of an extended prelude and going along with the full story of what is it, the greatest yeah, story yeah. ever told. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in the liturgy, we kind of miss out on that other than kind of sing different carols. And so it's centering and also preparing us for the joyful celebration that follows. Um, and so each reading will be followed by a carol or hymn. And it's also an opportunity to, for people to get you know, their favorite carols and then learn some new ones, um, be exposed to some different things before we get into the actual liturgy. Um, and we'll also be uh, joined again by the Chattacoin Chamber Ensemble, which is very, very exciting that we're able to uh, do these collaborations together. Um, and so String Quartet at Christmas just sounds Mm -hmm. It sounds very romantic and very beautiful, and so I, I think that it will be a very um, interesting expansion of the uh, the message that St. Luke's is trying mm -hmm. to give to the community. Mm -hmm. And that service will st so the the program will start at. 1045 mm -hmm. and then the church service will start as soon as afterwards we're not sure after. how the timing will work exactly yeah. so it may start a little bit like 1105 1110 we don't know mm -hmm. but it, we'll we'll be able to ring in that christmas morning together because it'll the service won't conclude before midnight so it will be at some point singing silent night holy night with our candles illumined um ringing in in the new christmas season and speaking of singing, you're going to continue singing. I think it's kind of like this is a really a, a, mm -hmm. the theme of December. Mm -hmm. You're holding a Messiah sing on December 29th. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, Messiahs, that's not easy work in terms of, you know, when it comes to classical compositions. Mm -hmm. But you're inviting people to come in and, and try this out? 
Yeah, so Messiah Sings have been very popular in the last little bit of really like, you know, 300 years of performing Messiah. And it gives people who love the music but don't, you know, sing in professional choirs, it, it, it gives them space to be able to create this beautiful music together without judgment. Um, and I think it's really great to do it after Christmas Eve, Christmas mm-hmm. services, because we all have kind of a slump, like kind mm-hmm. of a blue period that's right before we kind of get up into New Year's. And so it's a great time for people to come out and also, you know, really have that embodied, grounded feeling with other people in a work that has stood the test of time. With Handel's Messiah, are you going to be coaching people saying, okay, if you feel like you're a tenor or if you come over on this side, or are you going to split? Are you just going to have people just where they are as they sit down in the spaces? Are they going to just, you know, sing where they feel comfortable? It'll be a little bit of both. So we'll, we're holding a rehearsal the, day, the night before. And so then those people will be up in the chancel singing, but the people in the congregation are welcome to. I just, oh. <laughs> uh, my dear friend, Jeff, who's coming to conduct, we've been discussing how to work things together um, to communicate the conducting with the congregation and the people on stage. Um, and he really, he is one of my greatest colleagues. He's incredibly musical. He conducted my recital when I had um, a string ensemble. And so it's gonna be really, great to collaborate with him again and then um our soprano blessing agu is coming uh she i also had the privilege of singing with her at notre dame and you know she truly is a blessing to everyone around Mm -hmm. and so it's very for my first messiah sing-along i think that it's good to bring in different people so that we can inspire and then grow from there in the community. And we'll have leads from each of the different four parts. So yes. Lauren, you're gonna be singing the- I'm gonna be the alto soloist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Gavin Card on baritone and then Adam Roller on tenor. And so some of the really, really difficult movements that are hard to put together, we'll have that as a solo quartet, but all the all the other greats will be so we'll be singing too and and brian bogey um please forgive this but you know everyone's favorite organist (laughs) except for lauren of course Um, he's been uh you know a fixture in jamestown Mm -hmm. for so long um anyone who sang an acapella choir for a time and a season remembers brian bogey and still gets pulled in every year Mm -hmm. at baccalaureate to help play in a company brian's gonna be playing the organ uh, and he's done that for us for several years Mm -hmm. when we did the messiah sing so we're glad to have brian back great so anybody who's coming they should feel comfortable in knowing that they'll have someone to follow along with Mm -hmm. they'll have people that are familiar seeing and Mm -hmm. this is that a comfortable situation what time does that event take place on the 29th it's at 7 p.m uh do you want to say that chattacoin will be with us for that too so it'll be a little bit different than years past and so it kind of it's going to give us a lot of different tone colors and different ideas and kind of get us into i guess like a more expansive experience but um I'm really excited. Well, as a violinist, I'm thrilled to see the strings have such a part in the uh, uh, different productions and, and events that you're having at St. Luke's. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful event. And, you know, I mean, you said Brian Bogey. Now, I, I was lucky. I, I played in the pit orchestra mm-hmm. under Brian Bogey's uh, baton mm-hmm. for the Living Christmas Tree mm-hmm. when that used to uh, take place at First yeah. Covenant Church uh, before, well, it ended in 2019, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, but, 
it was wonderful to do that. So uh, thinking of people that you know been around have influenced music in this community and have been a big part of St. Luke's Episcopal Church, uh, we can't you know not have this interview without talking about Rod McIntyre. Um, you know, he's someone that is deeply missed i think you know mm-hmm. we're very grateful to have laura and i they mm-hmm. here and in the community now but uh how are what are there are things happening in to to memorialize ron at st luke's right now yeah indeed um so ron created such a legacy in so many ways you know he shepherded us through the organ restoration progress kind of brought the energy to um someone to donate a, a brand new um steinway piano and um one area that, that ron always felt a little bit um self-conscious about was kind of the choral piece of things and so um we wanted to kind of augment his legacy um actually it was lauren's idea I, we kind of were toying around what how do we honor this people gave us a little bit of money um kind of at his funeral and to remember his legacy uh and so how could we thought how could we tell the story of Ron McIntyre and do it in a way that happened soon enough that people would remember and that legacy would continue on. So Lauren had a great idea, and I'll let him tell you about it. Uh, so in Ron's name, we're launching a Choral Scholars program. It's uh, It'll be four people in each term. We're still figuring out how long that's going to be. Um, and so four soloists, high school aged. And they will be a part of St. Luke's music ministry, but also they'll have other opportunities to sing solo. Um, And I'll be offering them lessons for the time period, which is also a really great thing to be like, well, let's have some free lessons. But I think it's really important to remember that we need to educate the next next generation of sacred musicians. That's why there are programs all over the nation coming out as sacred music programs, not performance programs, because people are feeling the need for the need for good church music. And so this is a great way to honor Ron, who was passionate about that, and to be able to spin it into the next generation where you're literally building this into people's education and then also understanding a little bit of theology, even if you don't necessarily agree with it, it's a part of being mm-hmm. a musician is being in other faiths, but understanding the meaning behind it and the passion behind it. And really, I didn't understand a lot of that until I got a job at, mm. um, at a higher liturgical church. The meaning and the um, and the history of the liturgy and the service and worship. So when we were talking about what to do with this, it it seemed like a better idea than cutting a check, mm-hmm. you know, for someone to buy books at school. Not that that's not helpful, but this is more, it seems to be more of a renewable, regenerative situation and to be able to honor, you know, Ron in a way that is institutionally um Expansive, but checks will be written as well. Each, oh yes, each yeah. of these, each of these um, performers will get kind of a, an honorarium at the end um, of about two hundred fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. So they'll be so they'll be, they'll, be, they'll be paid for their time, but they'll be given a gift as they both receive gifts and give gifts. So it's kind of a gift giving economy as opposed to um, a a payment of sorts. Right, and so well, is this a program that you're going to be opening up for applications sure, so, shortly? Mm-hmm. Uh, so application deadline is January 2nd. 
uh, and then it, uh, those who apply will do a short audition, um, and then they'll speak with a panel that will, in the end, uh, recruit and offer uh, the position for the choral singers. Uh, yeah. So yeah, when you were talking about you know this need for more um, for more people who are in getting into liturgical music, mm-hmm. and, and and I think back to I have several friends who have been hired in, in churches and mm-hmm. you know and they said you know what they left and went and did other things and they said you know it's so hard mm-hmm. to find people who want to come in and be that music director in, in a church and help mm-hmm. lead that and it's like where the congregation still wants it and you know mm-hmm. the the whatever the organizations are for the, whatever church it was they want it too but it's like yeah is it there so this is sounds like without you know hearing about it on a larger level you're kind of working to fill that you know, need here in Jamestown yeah. through mm-hmm. this program, which I think, yeah, I can't, I think Ron would just absolutely I know love that. that Ron and, and Brian Bogey would talk all the time. Like, yeah. and I know Donna Gatz and all the whole AGO, the American Organist Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, is that or American Guild of, Guild of Organists. Yeah, <laughs> dyslexic. <laughs> um, would talk about yeah. where are we going to get the new generation mm-hmm. and how do we equip them and give them opportunities to shine. Uh, Donna Gass does a great job of that. She's got lots of students. But this is another way of adding kind of people, getting young people the opportunity to, to, to really have a stage, to learn, to be um, accompanied along the way, and to have some mentorship. So it's, it's a really a, a value add, I think, across the board. Right, and that's usually not an experience that you get, mm-hmm. unless it's you're part of um, a church community and that's right. something that you've been involved with since you were you know, a young child. But still, like in terms of this, what you're talking about, that's something you usually don't get until mm-hmm. you're in college or even doing your master's work, that kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. So what an opportunity, what an opportunity. Well, in terms of, I mean, we've talked a lot about the things happening um, and for the month of December and for the Christmas season and into the new year even um, at St. Luke's, but I, I can't have you here, Luke, mm-hmm. without asking you about how are things, uh, I, there's money that that the the mobile market as part of this uh, Jamestown Public Market has recently mm-hmm. received, and I was curious to find out about how this grant money was going to be used that you know of, um, That and this is the grant I'm referring to is the... Feeding New York Families. Feeding New York Families. Yeah. Well, it was like it was like one of those New York food for New York families, and <laughs> yeah. it was one of those long, it, it's yes. the state money, basically. Exactly. exactly. Tell me more about what is happening with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So the grant was designed kind of from the Marks and Eggs, uh, Mark and Egg um, department to to help marginalized farmers, uh, those who are kind of pushed to the periphery and not given um, the, the, the most easy access to market share. And so we wrote the grant to work with the Amish, um, definitely a marginalized group of people. Uh, and so the, in the stipulation of the grant is that the food be bought and given away. End of story. And we thought about various ways to do this. Um, we thought we could just buy boxes of food and give them away. And that happened during COVID and there were long lines, people picking up boxes. But there was something about that that just felt a little transactional. Uh, and so we decided to write the grant to create community. Um, and so we've already begun to spend some of these dollars. It, it got awarded back in July, um, but just kind of got announced as part of, of Governor Hochul's kind of end of year push, right? Um, so we've been, what we did with, with uh, dollars is create Monday the Monday Night Cafe. So we've got this um, 
long-standing ministry at St. Luke's called Forestry Cafe. That essentially on Thursdays, folks from the community are, are able to come, uh, have coffee, have donuts, have a space to keep warm and have conversation. So people come from the Hotel Jamestown, YMCA Transitional Housing, uh, wherever else they're coming from that day. Sometimes we have unhoused people, uh, but we come, we, we socialize, we help um, provide some resources, give some food away as well. Um, and so we thought, how can we add to that model? How could we take that to something that's a little bit more engaging across socioeconomic um, thresholds? Uh, and so we said, let's let's do a Monday night cafe where we will cook fresh, local, mostly organic food that are procured from the Amish and sometimes a few other local New York farmers where if, if the Amish aren't growing a particular thing. Um, for instance, we've used pork from uh, Conklin Farms um, because they, they have our can provide that, um, or mushrooms from some of our local mushroom providers. Um, and so the idea is that people of all incomes can come and eat together. We know Jamestown's a tale of two cities. Um, there are those who have an abundance, and there are those who are just struggling to make it. And the truth is there aren't very many spaces where those two communities really connect. And so the design of the Monday Night Cafe is to bring together our whole city um, to dine together at the same literal table. And we've designed this um, program so that it's not uh, about efficiency. It's not about um, standing in line and having your, your food put on a tray and then sit, sitting and eating. But really we've set it up so you eat uh, family style. Um, we either come around with a cart or um, there is food on the table and you pass it to your neighbor. And there are conversation prompts on the table. There's a greeter that comes in and it's it's meant to be like a a restaurant experience. and and But one of those unique restaurant experiences you'd have in New York City where you might share a table with a stranger um, and have that sense of um, real location, like that you belong to the city. And this is a, a city's thing. So we, we chose Monday night because almost to a T, all the restaurants downtown are closed and we didn't want to compete against any, any restaurants. Um, there are also great partners in our, in our downtown fabric, but allow um, people an opportunity to, to gather on Monday night. And we've, we started it in July and we've had, so July, we didn't become July, uh, July, August, September, October, November. So we've had five of these um, and each we've had um, as many as about 110, um, but we've averaged about 85 or so people who've, who've come um, to, to dine with us um, and, and to have a really great experience. Do you have any others planned for the future? Or? We, we, we do. So it's kind of tied to the growing season because the grant is really specifically to, um, to really empower um, the, the growers. Um, so we're going to take a pause. We, we, we don't have a plan to, to begin until kind of the growing season, um, but we may find a way to kind of loop things back together. We, we did make sure that when we had vegetables in abundance that we, we canned many of them and froze others. So we do have some vegetables. Um, we just have to figure out when, when is the opportune time to, to regather and restart. And we could still, you know, the church is, part of this thought is this is a model that is could be um, user-friendly even without grant dollars um, in, and figuring out how to find the dollars to uh, looking for local sponsors potentially to buy the vegetables or the food so we can then give it away because St. Luke's is giving up the, the time and the staff um, and then and the, and also the equipment and the space all we need is really someone to help come in with the, with the food itself so that's kind of the long-term plan but we, we don't have another one yet the holidays are always kind of a, a funny kind of moment but probably uh, I'm thinking we'll probably start again around April 
Great. Well, that's well. I'll have to keep an eye yeah. out for that. And it's the last Monday of the month. Oh, that's good to know too. Yeah. So, well, we'll keep an eye. We'll try to let people know if they are interested in taking part in that event. So, um, before we wrap up, I just mm-hmm. there's one more question I have for both of you. Hopefully, mm-hmm. this is not too difficult. Mm-hmm. But I want to know, and I, I'm not going to say your favorite, but what is your preferred Christmas carol to sing? Oh, oh and I, I, not, I know I can't ask Lauren first, so I'm going to ask Luke. What is your preferred Christmas carol to sing? I love "Joy to the World," and there is something about. Um, that idea of, of joy. I mean, I try and live every day with a bunch of joy, um, and I, I do mostly. Um, but there's something about the whole idea that the whole world can come together and, and just embrace joy. Because again, it's, it's dark these days with wars here and there and economic inflation and all the other things. So where do we tap into that real core of joy? And I think it is inside of ourselves and in community. Mm-hmm. Lauren, did I give you enough time? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because when you ask a musician something yeah. like that, it's like, oh, no. So so what would be your preferred carol to sing? I have to say, oh, come all ye faithful. Mm. Oh, why, mm. why that one? It is a joyful invitation to celebrate something really remarkable. Mm. And whether, you know, you're a believer or not, mm-hmm. when we all come together and celebrate a child, mm a baby that is a refugee. Mm. Um, when we all come together, oh, come all ye faithful, but it's more mm. about bringing that community together. Mm. And, you know, it's a hymn that's sung all over the world uh, every night, <laughs> every mm. Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. sometimes every single service in the Christmas season, but it's just, it really is is the great Christmas season to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that really probably embodies what this whole month is about mm-hmm. for all your events that you have going on at St. Luke's. Uh, if people are looking for more information, uh, they can visit St. Luke's online. Mm-hmm. St. Luke's.org, um, or and also the, our Facebook page is pretty active with updates and events. We have St. Luke's uh, Pastor uh, Luke Fodor and St. Luke's Minister of Music, Laura Masanke. Thank you for both coming in today and telling us everything that's happening this season. Thank you. Appreciate it, Julia.